You'll not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there'll not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. As Dave said last week, Sabbath is a God-given antidote to the idolatry of modern life particularly the idols of busyness, progress, success, and wealth. We can't fail to be influenced by these idols because they're all around us. Corrie ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy, because busyness separates us from God. We can convince ourselves we are good followers of God, when all the while our busyness is preventing us from seeing that actually, in, most, in many things that matter, we're following the world's way and not God's way. So Sabbath is God's way each week, not only of restoring us from the rigors of work, but of helping us to slow down, to reconnect with him, and to see things from his perspective. Now, Sabbath is one of those things where the theory is quite simple. It's the putting it into practice that we find difficult. So I'll start with the theory... Then consider why we find it difficult, and then talk about how to put it into practice. And this is my slide, which describes the theory. Um, Not a very polished slide, but hopefully the message comes over. Um, We need restoration, and we need to reconnect with God. And on the Sabbath, we rest from our work, and we turn to God, and we turn away from the world. And the passages we have read teach this. So you'll see at the top of the slide uh, some of the phrases I underlined in the Bible text, which I've taken from those passages. And you'll see that that as well as telling us to rest, they say that the Sabbath is holy. It is to the Lord. And that means it's not just any sort of rest. It's a rest that points us to God. Rest for restoration, rest for reconnection, and reconnection with God. The The passages also said that Sabbath is a gift, And they said that God blessed the Sabbath day. And both of those phrases mean that the Sabbath is for our own good. So I'll leave that slide up and move on from the theory, because it's the practice, I think, which is going to make the difference to us. Many of us, like me until recently, we don't practice Sabbath beyond stopping work and going to church. And I don't think we may find this easy to take on board. I certainly didn't. I'm going to give you a couple of possible reasons why we find it difficult to take Sabbath on board. Firstly, I think many of us are put off by Sabbath because we, we're given lists of detailed rules. They're well-meaning lists. They're meant to help us. They're probably suggestions, not rules. But they do appear rather legalistic, which makes them appear uh, to our uh, evangelical eyes as unchristian. Now, I think that's a fair challenge. I understand the concern. I'm going to talk about that later. I'm going to show that it doesn't have to be that way. But secondly, and I'll talk about this first, confusingly. um, Secondly, there is our natural dislike of change. Whisper it. Sabbath is long. It sounds boring. 
And it might mean giving up stuff that we'd rather like, that we rather like doing. That's, for many of us, I think the honest truth of where we are when we approach this topic. And I think we have to confront this second issue head on. Because this need to be busy, interested, stimulated all the time. I'm not sure that's from God. I think it's actually another form of idolatry that we're taking on from the culture around us. It's a form of self-worship. We are impatient. I know, and those around me will know this too, that I am impatient. We expect stimulus, interest, excitement all the time. Getting that has become normal. And so we demand it. Our tech, our always-on culture, it feeds and encourages, encourages our sense of entitlement to be always doing something, to have our brain always engaged, to be always swiping to the next thing. And it's for this reason that I think the Sabbath is particularly relevant to today's culture, a culture which is faster and more on and more connected than any culture ever before. So we need Sabbath more than ever before. And to decide to Sabbath is to say two things. It is to say, firstly, it is okay for me not to be busy. It's okay not to be constantly stimulated. It's okay to create space for God. That sounds like three things. That was my first point. Uh, the second thing to say that to Sabbath is to say is to say that God knows better than me what I need. He is a better judge than I am what to do with my time. So to decide to Sabbath is to make a conscious choice to trust God with our time. And that's what I'm commending to you today. Now, the really challenging thing about Sabbath is it comes with a figure. God doesn't just ask us for our time. He tells us how much time he wants. And if we're new to this, it sounds like an impossibly high figure because he wants a seventh, a seventh of our time. That's just over 14%. You didn't think this would be a math lesson, did you? It's easier to grasp as one day in seven. But whichever way you look at it, that's a lot. Now, you may have heard of tithing. That's the Old Testament rule for giving. Tithing means God asks for a tenth of our income. For the mathematically minded, that's 10%. Sabbath means he asks for a seventh of our time. That's 14%. That's more than 10%. A tenth of income, a seventh of time. Why more time than income? I don't know. But I can speculate that it's because when we give from our income, it's gone. But when we give of our time, we still get to live that time. But it, become, it becomes, in a way, it becomes shared between us and God. And the thing is, it's this time that God is relying on to form a relationship with us. How long does it take to form and maintain a relationship with your husband, your wife, your children, your best friend? Think about it. It takes time. It takes oodles and oodles and masses and masses of time to form relationships. Two sorts of time, both quality time, focused time, when your attention is fully focused on the other person, 
And then time, quantity time, time just being with each other, being around each other. You need both sorts of time to make a relationship. And when we think of Sabbath and of a seventh in terms of the time needed to make a relationship, it begins to make more sense because God knows that for six days we have our work. And he's going to, he knows that we're not going to be able to give him that much time during our work. So he wants the time to form a relationship. But as I move on to talk about this in more practical terms, I think there is a useful parallel here between how we as Christians handle the tithe, which is a Jewish rule for the Israelites, and how as Christians we handle the Sabbath, which again originated as a Jewish rule for the Israelites. Both are Old Testament laws that were implemented with lots of detail by the Jews. But as Christians living by grace and the Spirit, we approach both with far more flexibility. And if you have been in and around an evangelical church for some time, you may well have come across this in terms of the tithing. Because Christian teaching is normally to regard the tithe as a guideline, not as law. Sometimes it will be right to give more, and sometimes it will be right to give less. And I think the same should apply to Sabbath. Normally, it's one day each week. Sometimes, maybe when we're on holiday or on retreat, it could be longer than a day. But there are some Sundays that just don't work out as a day of rest. Maybe your child is ill. Maybe your roof springs a leak. Your dog needs to go to the emergency vet. Or your ox falls down a well, which is what Jesus, how Jesus put it. And of course, when that happens, we need to be flexible. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And it's also a question of degree, how much, we do, how much and how focused we are when we do Sabbaths. There may be times when we do Sabbath in a really deep and focused way. Times when we spend lots, day, Sabbath days when we spend lots of quality time with God. And there may be times when it's more symbolic. Now... I want to put this illustration in, but it's sadly not one we can put into practice at the moment. But when your, gra- when your grandchildren are around for the day, and we pray that, that could be a, there could be an opportunity for that again soon, it's great fun. It's definitely it's part of celebrating God and, and his blessings. It's definitely something we want to do on our Sabbath, to have family, to have grandchildren around. But of course, depending on the grandchildren how many of there are and how, may, and how they behave, it may not be that restful. So sometimes Sabbath is really deep and focused, and sometimes it's more symbolic. So we do Sabbath in a flexible way. It's not about living in a straitjacket. But let's really now get down to the nitty-gritty. What sort of things should we do? What should we avoid? And I am not going to give you a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts. And it's really important that I don't do that. It's really important that the church doesn't tell you how to live your lives in that level of detail, or at all. But we, there's a problem here, because practically speaking, I can't do Sabbath without some sort of a list of what I am, even if it's in my head, some sort of a list of what I'm to do and what I'm not to do. So I'm going to be a little cheeky. I'm not going to do your work for you. I'm going to make you do the work. You, my point is you should each come up with your own list. might be in your head, you might write it down, that's up to you. And that's really important because it puts you in control, not me, not Dave, not the church, not John Mark Comer. I'm going to suggest some principles, but that's all they are. If you want more inspiration, feel free to look at the list that the church sent round last week. But please treat that 
uh, some suggestions and make your own list. So, what does this look like? Sabbath is about rest and it's about God. We saw that earlier. So the principles are simple. Do what is restful. Do what points you to God. Don't do stuff that is not restful. Don't do stuff that doesn't point you to God. At least that's the principle. We've just heard that there will be times when that's inevitable. And as I've said, expect to slow down. Don't try to cram too much in. Allow some time for pause, for reflection. Now start thinking, if you haven't already, start thinking through what you spend Sundays doing. Think what falls into the first category, things that are restful and which point you to God. And think what falls into that second category, things that are not restful or which don't point you to God. Now, I want to give you a little tip here. If we want to make the Sabbath interesting and varied, but we still want to stick to these two principles, my suggestion is that we learn to see God in the things around us and in a range of different activities. So where is God? And these are just suggestions. Where is God in your walking? Where is God in your relationships with family and friends? Is God in your games playing? Your cooking, your gardening, your reading, and your hobbies, your sport, whatever it is. Now, I don't want to encourage you to do things that aren't restful, and I'm sure gardening is restful for some and a real chore for others. So I'm not giving you lists. But the more you learn to see God in a wide, in a wide range of Sabbath activities, the richer and more varied your Sabbath can be. Do you follow that? If you, on the other hand, you only see God while you're reading Scripture... Of course, that's fine. Scripture is great. I want to encourage you to read Scripture. But if that's the case, I can see why you might, you might think Sabbath is boring. It's a long old day. If, on the other hand, we learn to delight and to wonder and to worship, to have joy, to give and receive love, and we learn to do that in more and more activities, then I don't think we'll find the day dragging. Of course, Sabbath is definitely a time for things you expect me to say, things you expect to include, things we do in church, Bible study, corporate worship, prayer, so on. But these aren't the only things to do on Sabbath, and they don't need to be the whole of Sabbath. My advice is Sabbath would normally be a mix of quality and quantity time. Quality time, quality time the things we do with God, the things maybe we do in church or you do on your own, Bible study, corporate worship. You can't do that on your own, that's corporate. Worship, uh, prayer, and so on. And mix that with a range of activities which are much more about hanging out with God. You're aware of God, but maybe he's less at the forefront of your mind than when you're singing a worship song along with Jack. Include both, quality and quantity time. And then finally, some very practical tips. Because Sabbath requires planning, preparation, and compromise. And we look back at those passages a little bit now. Because some of the things that need to be done you will not want to do on the Sabbath so, uh, because they're not restful, but you'll be able to do them the day before. Things like, and again, these are suggestions, you make your own, your own choices and form your own lists. Things like shopping, jobs around the house, do it yourself, answering emails, maybe preparing meals so you don't have to cook so much on the Sabbath. But the point is there are likely to be some things you do on the day before so you don't have to do them on the Sunday or the whichever day you have a Sabbath. And so you need to plan ahead. And then you need to spend some time, or we need to spend some time in preparation for the Sabbath. That's normal. You read, we read in the passage about manna that the Israelites did that in the wilderness. As they gathered twice as much manna the day before. 
And through Jewish history, the day before Sabbath is known as Preparation Day for that reason. You get a couple of references to that in the New Testament. Then Sabbath also requires compromise. And I think there are two ways here. Because there are some jobs that have to be done every day. You just can't not do them on a certain day. Um, And in Exodus 20 tells us you can't pass those on to other members of your household or your servants. Of course, we've all got lots of servants, honestly. Um, You can't pass whatever servants you have, whatever children you have, whatever family you have. You can't just pass on these jobs to them because they're meant to have a Sabbath too or to be allowed to have a Sabbath if that's what they want to do. So there'll be some things on your don't-do list that you actually have to do. And for us, that is going around the garden picking up after the dogs because we really don't want to leave that till Monday, I promise you. (laughs) Um, Compromise is necessary. The aim is to minimise jobs and work, not to eliminate it. It's impossible to eliminate. And the second way we need to compromise is is, is this. Because, as I just said, Sabbath applies to everyone in your household. Everyone who wants to Sabbath should be able to have a chance to do it and a chance to do it on the same day. But Sabbath's a really personal thing. So when you've got your list of things to do, and they've got their list of things to do, then you come together and talk about them, and you find that one of you wants to to be with the family playing board games, while another wants to be on their own. A third insists on being outside, whatever the weather, And a fourth rejects Sabbath and wants to do their homework. You can't do, you can't all do what you want. Not if some of you want to be together and others want to be alone. So we need to compromise. We need to compromise in our families, in our groups, in our bubbles, whatever we, whatever groups we have. We can find a compromise that works for everyone. And again, we will find ourselves doing stuff which we're doing in love, which wasn't on our list. Um, And then there's church. Church doesn't run itself. I'm looking at a room which sadly has less than about 10 people. It's still got about 10 people in here, and we're all here doing something to make church happen. And um, we are all, I think without exception, not on the church payroll. It is not, our, not even part of our paid work. Um, it would be unfair for the same people to do kids' zone or any of the other jobs in church, which I'm not going to list now because I'll, I'll miss some out, but there's so many, it would be unfair for the same people to do kids' zone every week. And so we compromise with a rotor. One week on, three weeks off. One week on, two weeks off. One week on, six weeks off. Whatever. And so there you have it. Church rotors are a means of God's grace. Because they are a means by which we can all Sabbath and we can all compromise and share the load of not Sabbathing. So I am going to finish soon, honest. As I said, my wife and I have been trying this out. We did our lists. And I found I was doing a fair few jobs on Sundays that could be done on Saturdays. My wife, on the other hand, realized that she was missing spending time with me on Sunday afternoons. So I now plan carefully uh, to avoid leaving myself jobs to do on Sunday. Bit more effort on Saturday, but I, I am now able and I choose to go through all of Sunday deliberately not thinking, are there any jobs I need to be doing? The freedom and release I get from this, it sounds a small thing, but the freedom and release from the pressures of the other six days, the benefit I get from not having that what are the jobs to do thing hanging over me is amazing. It's a real blessing. And of course it also means I have more time to spend with my wife. But I still have to exercise discipline to actually give her that time because there's a whole host of things that are nice and restful and nice and fun and so on that I'd quite like to do. 
And so I have to, get, have to be disciplined. But when I get that right, Sabbath is a blessing to her too. And we're still learning. I don't think we're, yet, we're there yet. Um, I think Sabbath is not something you switch on or switch off. I think it's something you grow into. I've put on the slide, try it out, experiment, and grow into it. And I'm sure that my wife and I, we have more to, uh, more to discover. So, as I draw to a close, I hope you've seen today that keeping Sabbath is an act of faith. It's standing for God against the idolatry of the world. Standing against overwork, against the pressure and the need to be always doing something, against always on lives of overstimulation. But Sabbath is also a blessing. It's allowing God to have time with us, both to restore us, but also to remind us each week of how life God's way is actually really rather different from life the world's way. And so I commend it to you. Choose your Sabbath day. For many, that will be Sunday. Start and finish with a candle, if you want, or not if you don't. And actually, referencing what Sarah said earlier, um, when I was trying to type candle into here, I mistyped and came up as cake. And I think that's possibly quite a good idea as well. So, the st- start, so if you want to explore starting and finishing your Sabbath with a cake, that's up to you. Or a candle. Or neither. Um, for us, we're doing Sabbath from midnight to midnight, I guess, or, uh, so we're not going to be awake when it starts or finishes. Um, but it, it doesn't matter what you choose. Choose what is right for you. Make your lists. Choose activities that are both restful and point you towards God. Slow down. Be wary of well-meaning people with detailed lists of rules that aren't your rules. Plan ahead. Prepare the day before. And be ready to compromise so that others can enjoy Sabbath too. Because the Sabbath rhythm is not just about six days on and one day off. The Sabbath rhythm involves planning, preparation, compromise. And it particularly involves slowing down to God's rhythm, God's speed, God's way of doing things. Because that's what Sabbath is all about. Let's pray. And I pray, Lord... That in all, the wor- all my words, you would find the, uh, the grains of truth that, about Sabbath that each of us needs to hear. And that as e- each of us goes on our own journey towards understanding and, in- and putting into practice what you intended with Sabbath. And making that work in our, in our 21st century culture. I pray that as we do that that you would guide us and shape us and lead us on that journey and help us to find out more about you and about your Sabbath rhythm. And I pray that would be a real benefit to each of us, a real blessing and to, to each of us and to your church, Lord. Amen.